Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that never stopped believing, not even for a second. Okay, maybe for a second. On today's pod, we're going to try and eke out a couple of minutes of content on a largely uneventful game against Spurs before switching our attention to the Wolves game. Is it a must win? There's only one person to ask. We'll also be checking out two colossal Premier League fixtures this weekend. To discuss all this and more, I'm joined today by two match-going fans who Pep would heartily approve of. It's Ben McKean and Sir Howard of Hocking. Howard, you there? You well? <laughs> I am there, yeah. A uh, bit of frog in my throat. It's a bit early for me, this. I've so. got a bit of a frog in my throat, too, yeah. It must be the time of day, yeah. Shouting uh... abuse, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> last night, yeah. A lot of that at the referee as well, not just at the players, I should say. I feel hungover in an emotional way, not remotely alcohol-related, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was another <laughs> stressful 90 minutes. It takes it out of you, it really does. It, it really does, it's going through the ringer. I mean, City, for such a successful and brilliant team, really put you through the ringer, but that's one of the reasons I love them. Um, ben, are you there? Are you feeling emotionally hungover too? Yes, I am. My voice is a little bit croaky as well. I said to Howard earlier, it's almost a, an on-the-whistle podcast. I think we're, we're 10, 10 hours after after yes. the game finished or something. But yeah, I can certainly feel a few uh, a few effects of screaming last night as well. So yeah, we're all a bit like that. Do you want me to put some crowd booze sound effects into the background to make it sound off? <laughs> yeah, as long as they're aimed at the referee and not the not the players. <laughs> yeah, don't know. Well, yes, yeah. I want to get into that. Trying to stir it up. I, no doubt, I can only imagine what Talksport were like after the game. Um, yeah, because I didn't go last night. You two went, so I, I do actually want to get into that definitely. Um, before we get to the game, though, and before we even get to the lineups, I want to ask you both this. I'll start with you, Howard. What were your thoughts at halftime? Oh, I was actually sat there. Uh, Rehearsing the scripts for this podcast. Really? <laughs> I had a long list of, yeah, uh, what were my thoughts? Just resignation, really. Season, everything. Just, mm. yeah, it's not happening. I've got stuff to say about Edison that I think is still relevant. I had <laughs> stuff to say about individual players. And I had stuff to say about the lineup, the system, and all the other things that are kind of redundant because he didn't make any real changes at half time. So, thankfully, <laughs> doesn't matter anymore, does it? So, mm-hmm. so I wasn't even angry. I wasn't really. It's, it's Spurs. It's We've done it again. This time, it's not just playing badly. It's just... We've shot ourselves in the foot again. It spurs. It always happens, but obviously a wider malaise over the season. Just resignation rather than anger at half time. Just uh. so if it was resignation, because you're not like a definitive person as regards. That's why I made the joke at the start about you know a must win game against Spurs and asking you because you're not someone who will say it's definitely over or we've definitely won a title because mm. you know you, you'll look at the whole picture. So, but the word resignation is interesting there because that suggests to me that you were. You'd given up on the title if if we lost to Spurs. Uh, yeah, I, I was doing some calculations. I reckon if Arsenal don't beat United, so draw United win, mm. four points over these two games doesn't end the title. I mean, let's be honest. We're now at the we've now reached the halfway stage of the season. Mm. That's what the Spurs game was. So it's this is essentially ridiculous talk. But you know, you, these are just predictions rather than saying it can't be done doesn't feel like previous seasons so and yeah it wouldn't just be we lost at home to Spurs or the gap 
it's the wider, much wider picture. Look at the previous home game, Everton. Look at the one before that, Brentford. Look, at, we just about got past Fulham, though we did have 10 men. And of course, we lost to United. It's just like, it's not even looking at the table, looking at the fixture list, wondering if Arsenal will collapse at some point. It's just like, it's clearly not happening with this team and it's not suddenly going to click into place next week, is it, or the next game, or go on a 15-match winning run. That's These are my half-time thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> And much of it I still agree with, but you know, not all, maybe something changed. Maybe something changed after that half time. We'll discuss later, no doubt. But yeah, yeah it's the way they picked it. It's like, why, why do you expect this team to suddenly <laughs> click into place? It's, it's just one of those off seasons. That's my thought. Not angry. It's like, we're going to have them. And it, this is what it feels like. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just not being turned around. Arsenal aren't collapsing. We just need to consolidate a top four place. I don't think that was being negative at half time or even last week after the derby. I think it's been it was being realistic. Of course, look at our squad. They are capable of winning fifteen on the row. It just all the evidence suggests that this ain't the season where it happens. Ben, did you feel kind of much the same way? Yeah, I think um I think it was I don't actually think we played terribly bad. No, I think we no. we still lacked that, mm. you know, the the attacking sense. I think I looked at the stats at half time, and I think I think we had over sixty percent possession, but we'd had two shots. Spurs uh, had had four shots. This is on on target, mm. uh, and it, it just felt that same thing is that you know we can have all of the ball, but there's no real attacking threat. Obviously, little known to me what was going to happen in the second half, but it felt like a game where we weren't, you know, capable of scoring many goals, really. Um, so, yeah, I agree with Howard and agree that, you know, I was thinking, why do we seem to do this? Is when we have lost titles in, in recent years, and this sounds extremely spoilt, but we almost make it pretty easy for whoever wins the league and, you know, we, we take our foot off and I sort of think, and again, it does sound totally spoiled, but you know the the titles that we've won, where we've won it by the odd point or two, and these huge long runs have been really us up against it. The titles that we've lost, we, we're pretty much been out of the picture by by end of March or something. Mm. Mm. So it felt like, is it going to go that way again? Um, I, I, you know, again, I, I don't think we played terribly. There was just those two goals, but it it did sort of seem to feel what we've seen recently is that, you know, the defence just seems all over the place, really. The slightest, the slightest thing or the slightest chance um, we get, we get punished and, and it is on, of our own doing. So just, just a real frustration. And yeah, I did not at all. I, I thought it was game over. I didn't think there was a chance of getting back into, into the game. You mentioned the defence and the kind of, um, the malaise there and that kind of feeds into the lineup and the kind of um you know team selection when it came out so i just want to basically mention um uh someone on twitter called blue city brain who pointed out that our four most played defenders last season were all on the bench last night so diaz Cancelo, walker um that seems to be an issue before we get actually get to the team selection itself um a lot of people are saying that there's too much switching, you know, with kind of personnel at the back. And now we've seen this in the past and we've gone on to win titles by at a canter. So maybe it's not that, but 
is that part of the problem, Howard? The fact that we when we don't have an established back four that that Pep seems to be kind of changing his mind from one week to the next as regards to who's going to play where. Yeah, well, Blue City Brains should be on our podcast soon. I think. Oh, really? Podcast, yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's yeah. Uh, I think it was him that mentioned last week seventeen defensive combinations this season. Jesus, which I'm right. not sure is even possible. Uh, <laughs> three times. I think there's <clears throat> the most. The defence has played together is three times, you know, the same back four. Mm. A lot of it's enforced, of course. Laporte was out until, what, was it the World Cup? Anyway, he was, yeah, bad injury. Diaz, of course, been out for a month. Stones, of course, has his fitness issues. So, you know, it's not as if he had a full roster all the time. But, yeah, it absolutely builds, I think, stability builds from the back and... It's not just pure defending and knowing where everyone is and being like that sixth sense about positioning. It's also, we've lost a lot of our, our best passers out, which is key to how we play. We need central defenders who can pass out. Stones, Laporte haven't been there. At least one of them hasn't been there a lot of the time. Diaz himself, a lot of people were saying half time, God, we miss his leadership. Yeah. He hadn't had a great season before this injury. Mm. But, you know, just look at their heads after the goals. There's no, like, firing up the troops. There's no, like, come on, we can do this. It just, like, trudge back to the halfway line, you know, when we concede stupid goals like that. And, yeah, we need... I'm still not sure now why Laporte's on the bench. I have no issues with the Kanji. I think it's been an absolute steal and it's been great for us, especially as players often take time to settle at City under Pep. But I still sometimes look at the combinations and wonder why we're playing this way. You know, and at the end of the day, we've had, we said on a podcast last week, we've got centre-halves playing at full-back. Stones has played at centre-half and full-back. Walker's played at full-back and centre-half. Ake's played at centre-half and full-back. And of course, Rico Lewis uh, moves into midfield, which is the one of those combinations that actually works really well. So... Yeah, there's just it's a mess a lot of the time. It is a mm. mess, and you need some stability there. So, I mean, so many title-winning teams are built on that centre-half pairing, I think. Yeah, I mean, you said there about conceding so quickly after the first, and, and uh, you know, like a leadership there. I mean, that's twice in a week now, so you know, you don't want that to become a habit, obviously, but you don't want to read too much into that either. You don't want there to be too much substance. Hopefully, it's just a coincidence, but certainly, if a team concedes and then concedes quickly again, that does suggest something about the mentality of a team. That, We've you know, always had a history of that, though. We've yes. Been doing yeah, it for years. Too. Yeah, embraces of goals conceded, yeah. But you, you would hope that there's one person back there who says, right, okay, we've conceded, that that, mm. that ends now. You know what I mean? For the next yeah. 10 minutes. And obviously, if you're talking about just before the break, then it's a simple case of, right, we go in 1-0 down and we regroup. But... um. Ben, looking at the team selection, it really was one which kind of prompted quite a lot of discussion on Twitter beforehand. Um, it was one of those pep team selections where I didn't fully know how people were going to set up. Um, mm. What did you make of it? I th- my gut reaction was there's, there's too many changes. Again, it goes back to this stability thing. I think there was five changes last mm. night. Uh, and I think, again, echoing what, what you guys have just said there about the the defence, you know, those those title wins, you know, whether it's been Stones and Diaz, Stones and Laporte, even going further back, Laporte and company, 
it is built on at least the centre back pairing saying staying fairly consistent. Yeah. And you can obviously say that about Walker and Cancelo. Um I thought after the United selection, I sort of thought, okay, you know, we're back to a bit of stability and I thought we were going to see a run of, of Walker and Cancelo uh, playing, you know, from, from basically here on in until they needed resting. And, you know, obviously there's been enough days since the United game where, you know, they wouldn't, you'd think that they wouldn't be rotated because of rest or fatigue reasons. So I thought there was, there was too many changes was my, my gut feel. And, you know, people like Ake, obviously moving out to left back again, he's got changed, you know, I certainly welcome Stones coming back in because I think we're such a better, better team with him in it. Um, but yeah, my, my reaction was, you know, there's, there's too many changes. Why are we, we doing this again? It almost seems like when we make this many changes, you know, half the team or half the outfield team, we're almost resetting ourselves and mm. something could happen, which is like it obviously did unfold in the first half. So that, that was my first reaction. I mean, individually, the players that came in, as I say, I was really happy to see Stones come in. Uh, every time we see Rico Lewis, he's, you know, he plays so well. So, you know, I was happy with that. Uh, Grealish probably did enough against United to come in and start. So individually, I can sort of see, see those points. But yeah, as I say, it was, for me, it was just too many changes off a result, which very could have easily and, you know, should have easily gone the other way against United. Was there any inclusions that surprised you, Howard? <laughs> uh, I think it's more who wasn't in the team, in a okay. way. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, you know, I can see why he's not been in great form and perhaps he can't play both games in three days. It's probably for the best. Mm. But Bernardo Silva as well not to be in there, while Phil Foden's a completely separate Discussion. I guess that's not that surprising. But I say, I'm still a bit surprised at Laporte not really being... I assume he was fitting on the bench last night, was he? Uh, that surprised me. And Cancelo, in a way, because he'd had an all-right game against, against United. So, yeah, it's hard to say in a way, because <laughs> yeah, there's so many options, aren't there? I, I don't think Grealish Mara surprised me. And having Alvarez in... As well, behind behind uh, Harland surprised me, but I wasn't mm. really against that because I love to see him on the pitch. So yeah. it was just—I don't know. I looked at I looked at it when the team line came out. I was like, "Oh God!" I mean, I don't want to comment on it because if it works brilliantly, then, <laughs> yes. and he's done it so many times and it's worked. But this season, it just feels like why it felt like, and what do I know? You don't even know where they're going to position themselves on the pitch until the game starts. Anyway, sometimes the actual names themselves doesn't tell you the story. It just felt like overcomplicating stuff again. But as as, as Ben said, it wasn't brilliant first half, but it was all right. Yeah. Harlan could have scored two just before we, completely you know shot ourselves in the foot basically at the end of the first half and the weird thing is yeah I wouldn't say that setup was a success but it wasn't a failure either that lineup no no reason why you know entirely plausible that he picked a a more traditional lineup with traditional players and got the same result to be honest because you know we've seen that this season anyway it's not just been eclectic lineups in, that have seen us failing games and the ridiculous thing is, without that collapse at the end of the first half, I don't think the second half happens. Yes, yeah, that's a good point. That 
I, I agree with that. Um, but if you look at kind of the inclusion of Alvarez, I mean, obviously he's a phenomenal player and, and you know, kind of on a high after winning the World Cup and, and all the rest of it, and that has performed always well for City. But so he's there on merit, of course. But there is also the argument that he's brought in to kind of, you know, link the midfield to Haaland. Um, to, to ensure that Haaland isn't kind of, you know, an isolated island up there, which we have seen, you know, I mean, we saw it in the derby. So to that extent, if you look at the whole game, did that work? Did did Haaland, would Haaland have enjoyed last night considerably more because he had Alvarez doing a lot of the work for him and basically being close to him? I, I think Alvarez, I think first half he, he struggled to get into the game, to be honest. Mm. Again, that might be because of our sort of lack of attacking threat, but... I don't really remember him having much of an impact on on the first half at all. Um, I think with Haaland, again, going back to that first half not being too bad, I think we seem to play a little bit more directly. I think we put him through. There was one where Gundogan sort of overhit a pass, wasn't there? And then there was obviously the header. So those those passes that we've been calling for in terms of just put it onto Haaland or put Haaland through, that happened a little bit more than it has been. Uh, in the first half, and we actually tried to play a bit more directly through to him. Um, but Alvarez, yeah, I, I don't think, or I can't really remember many times where they linked up between the two of them. Obviously, Alvarez works very hard, and I think he grew into the game second half, and he seems to have a great knack for, for being in the right place at the right yes. time. I, yeah. I'm not sure what it is, but I'd, I'd love to see his sort of goals versus minutes ratio. It must be pretty high, because uh, he seems to sort of score, you know, as long as he's on the pitch. Uh, for more than half an hour or something. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say it was like a huge success and, you know, a big factor in us winning the game or turning it round. Uh, I think he played well. I think if you were to say, you know, has he done enough to to keep his place over over Kev? And it's, you know, we're obviously talking about Kev De Bruyne here. I'd probably say no. Um, uh, yeah, my, my gut feel is I don't think it changed the dynamic a huge amount in terms of keeping Haaland involved. But as I say, I think we were we played a little bit more, not enough still, but a little bit more to Haaland's strengths than we have done in recent weeks. Yeah, that's fair. Um, how would you mention Edison before and you said that you had some comments that you wanted to make kind of regardless of how the game ultimately ended? Um, you know, what was it, 44 minutes in? The game was kind of just eking towards half time at this point. I thought a lot of kind of the, the sting had gone out of the game, um, and then from nowhere, I mean, I I'll forgive him, and particularly because we go on to win. Of course, that makes it a lot easier to forgive him. But it really was a case of something he has done ten thousand times before for City to good effect, playing you know kind of um, horizontal ball to. Uh, sorry, vertical ball to, to um, Rodri. Mm. And on this occasion, he just simply went on his right side instead of his left by accident. So it wasn't a huge error, I don't believe. Or do you? would you put it down to an error? Would you have preferred... <laughs> of course it's a huge error. It's appalling. I wouldn't say it's appalling. It's what he does. I mean, it's... I, I, I actually excuse... I mean, people in the ground were pretty angry for the second one. That... Mm. I, the blame for that's more on Rodri for me. Kane should not get past him. He parries a shot, could go anywhere. It's a bit of bad luck. Uh, yes. No, I'm, I'm sorry. So, sorry, so, so, sorry to interject. What, were people blaming Edson then for the second goal? Yeah, well, a lot of people, honestly, well, don't rate I, him. Yeah, yeah. I always said, and with good reason, because he's a bang average shot stopper. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's absolutely average in every sense of the word, but he's not in the team for that. He's complete. The positives outweigh the negatives. 
you know, because of his astonishing distribution and mm. ice cool demeanor. I've all I said like a year ago on a pod, we've got a playmaker as last line of defense. You know, and he got an assist in this game. <laughs> Let's not forget, he got an assist for the final goal. We've got a playmaker. Two two or three times a season, he'll mess up and cost us a goal. And I said, I'm okay with that. Hope it's not terrible timing because it's because of what, you know, because he is sens- the way we play is he's so essential to that. He's okay, an extra okay. passer from uh, the we, back. So we I can take this. the odd mistake, but. but- I'm sorry, a, he's not had a great in? season. He's, he's doing it too often. He's been sloppy multiple times. Okay. And if he doesn't perform at the highest level like he normally does with that, then we have an issue with him because the other yeah. stuff he ain't great at. He's got yeah. to be great at that to be in this team. No, and I he get generally that. is. He's been a huge part of our success. But I'm just going to, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to kind of like mm. go back to what you said. Was it an appalling error last night? Yeah, well, in my opinion, yeah, absolutely. Of okay. course it is. He passes, it gives a hospital pass to Rodri on the edge of the area. So, yeah. Uh, ben, how bad um, did, did you view it, the mistake? Um, I, th- I think I've watched it this morning. You know, it's a bad pass. Um, it's one of those passes where, does, as you say, you know, we, we do those, maybe get away if it's the wrong word, but there's a few where you sort of, you know, a big drawer of breath, like oh, that, <gasps> yes. was, that was a close yeah. one, sort of thing, and they they do happen. Um, but yeah, I think you you take the rough with the smooth. I'm not sure if either of you saw his, his comment after the match last night, but just to read it out, he said, so, "Sorry for my mistake. That doesn't change my way of playing. I'm always living with risk, so it's not yeah. going to change anytime soon." And and I think yeah, I, I think it's fine. I think I don't think he's a bang average shot stopper. I think he's got a a relatively good sort of highlight reel of good stops at times. Um, and I certainly think his, you know, again as as Howard said, his his reward out outweighs the risk um, that he gives us. But yeah, it was it was a it was a bad pass, and it it cost us a goal. So yeah, ultimately his mistake cost us that goal. But as you say, he 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 got an assist, didn't he? So so there you go. That's the that's the proof, yeah. isn't it? In the I mean, fucking... he could have saved it as well. <laughs> yeah, saved yeah. It, it was a good finish. Pretty it slow, and it goes under his body. I think a bit. So. Yeah. I yeah. certainly don't think he could have done anything about the second goal. I think, you know, Kane yeah, smashes it at him for, from yeah, six yards or something. Yeah, it's yeah. on Rodri for me, that. So. I'm, I'm completely with you on that. And I was wondering if I was kind of going to be alone on that. I, I do not blame Rodri because he's, he's been phenomenal for us. But um, it was an odd decision by Rodri to basically go into the tackle in a manner that he did because if someone's going to slide in like that, they're going to get the ball. It's just as simple mm. as that. Um, so, yeah, so we're 2-0 down. It's half-time. Obviously, it's doom and gloom. Um, I've got to say that on Twitter and on like the WhatsApp group amongst kind of 9320 guys and all the rest of it, there wasn't a bit of anger towards Edison, a bit of anger at circumstance. But I, I have to say, a lot of people, I mean, you, you used the word before, Howard, and I'll go back to it. A lot of people just felt resigned, resigned to this season. That, it, that was it now. Uh, and it's just going to be one of those seasons. Very, very. Oh, actually, sorry. And it before. Spurs, yes. Yeah, and it Spurs, exactly. We were all saying it, leading up to the game, weren't we? And and that, we weren't even joking. We meant it. It was the only surprise last night was Son didn't score. But, um, <laughs> but before I get to, you know, the dramatic turnaround, we have to kind of address the booing. So I'll start with you, Ben. I was wondering last night because you know City fans were getting a bit of stick for it. I thought, well, I'm not there, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was aimed at the ref as much as anything else. Was that the case? 
I thought so. And I think not just the ref, but I think Spurs, similar to how the Everton game went, but not quite as bad, were, were clearly trying to break up momentum. They were already yes. sitting down every occasion, taking a breather, taking a time, their time with, with throw-ins and free kicks. I thought it was more of a frustration, as in, you know, frustration of how the game's going, mm. not necessarily aimed at the players, maybe aimed at the sort of lack of attacking threat, but not like, a, you know, certainly not in times gone by when it's been, you know, booing because you're not fit to wear the shirt sort of thing. It's more of a frustration and, and the referee, you know, there was certainly a few decisions which went in their favour Um it didn't go in, you know, the, there was a bookings. Rico Lewis seemed to be getting kicked up in the air every yes. time he got the ball. Yeah. No, no punishment. Uh, you know, Hoiberg was certainly mixing up with him. And then on the other hand, going down when anyone went near him. So I thought it was that. That was my gut feel. I certainly didn't think um, that it was that it was aimed at the players. I, I mean, we might get to it later. I think Pep took offence to it, if I'm being honest. And I think he did maybe think it was aimed at the players. Um, but yeah, from from where I was sat, and it, and it also it wasn't a whole ground booing sort of thing, you know, it was a a smattering of boos around, but certainly wasn't like a whole chorus of boos. Yeah, and um, just be, in case we don't get a chance to mention this, so you two went to the game, obviously, so you're informing me of of such matters like the booing, which I won't be aware of. I can tell you that Martin Tyler had an absolute nightmare last night on Sky. Hmm. I mean, I mean, he really, truly, uh, even by his standards, Out it was character. it was astonishing. I mean, the takes that he had, um, snide digs at City fans for not understand, understanding the offside law, referring back to the derby. Um, <laughs> the fouls on Rico uh, Lewis. It's kind of this. Instead of basically seeing this eighteen-year-old getting kicked to Kingdom Come, his take on it was um, that City players were being too overprotective of him. Um, uh, their fatherly nature were coming out, but in fact, the very opposite applied. And I think that's one of the things that wound Pep up seeing not as many kind of um, experienced players take offence at this and mm. kind of. Mm. So I mean, I thought he was injured he at the end of the first half. He was limping mm. a lot. Rico Lewis I thought he's done for. Yeah, I so should I was... say by the way, Rico Lewis. There was at least two occasions there where he wasn't fouled, <laughs> and and he went down well. And you know, uh, he was that shows a, a nice bit of uh, nous to him, which bodes well for the future. Can, can I, I think he's got this... that similar yeah, thing on, about. Yeah. Sorry, I, th- I think he's got that similar thing that the Grealish does. To be honest, I think he's he's obviously a smart player, but he's used yes. to. He invites it and then shifts the ball at the last mm. second and invites a few fouls and he is pretty pretty smart with it. I agree. There was a few where I thought, yeah, that's that's not a foul, but he still <laughs> yes. failed to get it. But there was a few where it was, yeah. of course, as well. They were targeting yeah. him clearly. Sorry, just completely separate point, Steve. Just remind me of uh, your hatchet job on Andy Hinchcliffe the other day. Yes, bang out of order. That how dare you? One of our <laughs> most treasured co-commentators. <laughs> you know what? I, I got given a. a it's it's rare that I get given a five hundred word limit, and I'm just sadly on this occasion it was, was five hundred words. So I was like, how am I going to fit this in five hundred words? I need a two thousand words. I'm but, just uh, offended you didn't come to me for a quote. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just glad it wasn't Andy Hinchcliffe last night on Sky. Um, okay, so there was booing, there was resignation at half time. I think that's a, a good word to use for, for for all of us, really, to varying extents. But then it was very clear right from the off. But well, for starters, the fact that the City team came out uh, kind of a minute late, um, Pap had really put a rock up their arse, and 
it was clear from the, even the, from, from the kickoff from the manner in which he kicked off and Haaland just kind of clapping everyone saying, right, come on, let's have this now. It's like, right, we're going to go at these. That's when I start to fear, by the way, as I put on Twitter, that we're going to come back to 2-2 and lose 3-2 because I've got PTSD. I've got post-traumatic Spurs disorder. This is what they do to us. Mm. Almost then, happened. Well, wow. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then, no, I mean, certainly we got back to 2-2 in quick succession. Um, Ben, that, that exhilarating first 10 minutes in particular after halftime, that must be brilliant to be in the ground. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going, going back to your point there, um, I heard the, the lads behind me in the ground put a £5 bet on Son to score the winner for 3-2 once we got it back to 2-2. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, so we all certainly feel that. But, yeah, I mean, obviously there was, there was a resignation with myself and my son and my dad were there, and we sort of said between us, you know, we need a goal within the first five, ten minutes to, to stand any chance. And then I think was it by I don't know, was it by about sixty minutes we we got it level. Um we just seemed we just seemed bang up for it. It was just that intensity that we lacked in the first half, you know, we we totally had. We we seemed to be committing more players into the box, which again, <clears throat> excuse me, we haven't done in previous weeks. Um and it was just just good to see. It seems a bit again, something that we've been calling for in recent weeks and I know it's been mentioned on this pod, but handbrake seemed to be off a bit more and it seemed to be a bit more chaotic as the game went on that got a bit worried because obviously Spurs did start to to venture forward a little bit and you thought god you know it's going to happen sort of thing but yeah it was just you could sense the there's the whole stadium and stuff and as you say it's great to be there when that happens is you can really feel the tide turning a little bit you know I guess you can say when um similar to the Villa game you know you sort of feel you know, I certainly think you could feel this at the Villa game at the end of last season. You sort of feel once we've got one, you sort of think, yeah, we, you know, we're going to do yeah. this now. And and I think once we got that equaliser so early, you sort of thought, yes, Spurs, you know, still look threatening, but it effectively it's a matter of time before we get another one here, sort of thing. Well, I'm going to get two. Yeah, I mean, the first was came from a cross from from Mares. The second came from yeah. an assist by Mares, and then obviously Mares then goes on to score two. Um, I'd, I'd love to put this on Twitter if we can, Howard. Um, apart from De Bruyne against Wolves, I'm struggling to think of one player having such an impact in one half of football for City of late. Um, mm. He was sensational, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> involvement in four goals. I mean, it, even the last one's probably the best, that little little dink, you know, the composure. To get could it. have gone down as well. Could have, it could have easily gone down. It would have been mm. an automatic red card, although the ref on the night probably would have booked Mahrez, but I mean, moving on. Yeah, Perisic is just... Yes, he'll want, he'll want end of his career. He wants yeah. to forget this night, you know, as quickly <laughs> as humanly possible. He was atrocious and he had him on toast, I think yeah. is the phrase. Yeah. Is that what the youngsters are saying? I believe uh, so. Yeah. He was just amazing. Yeah, he was absolutely amazing. He, he's And he's... You see what Pep said. He was on holiday before the World Cup. I think he said something like that. Now he's training better. His demeanor's better, and he's been in form for weeks and weeks. Mm. And you know, I pretty much given up on him. You know, earlier in the season, it's just like he had like what, thirty-two goal involvements last season, and yet it still felt like that was his hurrah. You know, his mm. last hurrah, and yeah. that he wasn't really on it this season. But again, this you know, Pep goes on about it all the time body language and all that sort of thing and demeanour and how they train and he's absolutely on fire at the moment which mm. is key for us as well because he's the sort of player that when the Champions League comes around has 
scored important goals in that competition. So, yeah. And the options out there aren't the best anyway. So, yeah, it is one of the great halves. What can you say? He absolutely. I mean, you obviously could blame Luis for that third goal, but it's still a very, very hard hit, precise shot through the eye of a needle, basically. And, yeah, he, I mean, it's one of those where you can give a player 10 out of 10, even if he didn't do much from one of the halves, because the other half was so good. Yeah. I think, yeah, only De Bruyne at Wolves really beats it. I, I should say, on the Larice on the third goal, there's a video out there. I can't remember who it was now. I wish I can. Maybe Ben Foster, but it was a video out there on the keeper deconstructing the myth about near post. And oh, how, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's no more important than the far post. It's like, yes. And it did take a deflection. where it goes in, the keeper either should have saved it or, or shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, but if I mean, you're it's absolutely it's obsessive about guarding your, far, your near post, you're probably giving more options <laughs> yes. to the far post. So. Yeah. I, I and mean, there was a slight deflection. It was from close range. I don't know why I'm sticking up for Hugo Lloris, but <laughs> I am. Um, so, obviously, Mahrez was a standout performer, but then there was many others. If you look ahead to Wolves, who kind of played themselves into, you know, uh, basically made a real stake for a first-team spot against Wolves? So who, who really stood out for you last night in terms of individuals? So, so yeah, so b- beside um, beside Mahrez, um, I think Rico Lewis was tremendous. I think he was our best player in the first half, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sort of I'm I'm very torn between him and Walker in terms of part of me thought, for example, Rico Lewis should, should have played against United, but then I totally get the whole you know experience of Walker obviously playing up against Rashford, so I got yes. that he had to play. Um, but yeah, I thought Rico Lewis was tremendous. He's so he's so smart and moves the keeps the ball moving um, so well. Um, I thought Grealish had a really good game, one of one of his better games for Definitely. us. Um, I thought he was he was driving. When he, he he can still improve, I think you know, but I think it was certainly like a solid eight out of ten. He was he was driving at them when he needed to. He seemed to keep our width when he needed to, uh, and also you know he was he was working really hard. Um, and I think in terms of you know people I guess that came into the team, obviously, as I said earlier, I just think we're such a better team with John Stones playing for us. Um, so so I think certainly those three. Um, stake the claim. I, th- I thought Gundo was a bit quiet, so I don't really think he he did enough. And I, as I said, I think Alvarez was good. If if I'm being completely honest, I wouldn't mind keeping the exact same team again. Just going back on yeah. that stability and just see how we go. Um, you know, take our time with Kev. Maybe if he's been out of form, hasn't he? So we don't we don't need to rush him back. I guess maybe let's just. Just see how we go and see if we can actually build some momentum and stability with this with the same lineup and some familiar place, players. Or if we do need to change it, let's go back to what we've done in previous years, where you're changing maybe one, two players, not four or five players, sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to completely agree with all that you say. I would add Nathan Ake. Did you mention Ake? I can't, can't recall. But... I, I didn't. I think I thought Ake was good. Uh, again, better in the second half. Yeah. My thing, my thing with Ake is as much. I think he's had a good season. I think he's solid, and and it's a really obvious statement to to say. But I just think when we play against these teams which are more defensive, and I think Wolves will be like that. And you know, I think when we played against Everton, for example, I almost think it's a waste of a position. I think in those games, we when we play Cancelo, for example, we pretty much just play to Cancelo. You go and play in the left wing, and whoever's on the left wing goes inside. And I think. When we play Ake, I think that's a real 
is a problem for us, to be honest, against those yeah. teams because we sort of do the whole U-shape thing, don't we? We pass it around the back and it just goes to Ake and then it just comes all the way straight back again because he's not, you know, attacking, attack-minded. Mm. No, that's fair. It is fair. Um, I should say about as well about Harlan scoring. Uh, again, one of Tyler's many, many misdemeanors last night. Um, we refer, started to refer to it as a drought. <laughs> it was actually three games, one of which is against United and the other against Chelsea. Um, but it's still good to see him get on a score sheet. Yeah. Howard, um, what would that win mean in a broader context? I mean, we're going to get to Pep's comments next. So mm. by all means, mention them now. But what, what I'm referring to is it felt, and I put this on Twitter as well, it felt like a, a possibly defining moment last night, particularly, you know, that second half. It felt like even the great teams need something to really kick them out of bad form. And that last night was that moment. Or am I reading too much into it? Well, we're about to find out, aren't we? So, so Wolves is a litmus test, isn't it? Yeah, I guess and we have to, we have to link it into Pep's comments because I think it's, yeah, yeah. it's left me confused in a way because we've been talking for weeks about the system ain't working. Players aren't comfortable where they are, this, that and the other. And that second half wasn't a change of system or players. It wasn't, you know, at half time, you might have been sat there going, why has he picked this weird hybrid team that isn't not really working? But of course, we shot ourselves in the foot. It wasn't the system that conceded us two goals at the end of the first half. It was player errors. So it's hard to say on this that the system failed. And then the second half is a completely different game with the same system and players. And Pep mentions this in in his uh, post-match rant. Uh, <laughs> players are doing, you know, he actually says it. Play, you know, he, he obviously is reading stuff because he says players are doing what I tell them to. You know, we've said it time after time after time. Why, if the being conservative and passing sideways, it must come from Pep. And yet he pretty much said he debunked that in a way because he said, "Where's the fire in the guts and all that sort of thing." So it's it's now kind of what happened in that second half has completely conflicted everything we've kind of been saying on these podcasts last few weeks about what the issues are, mm. and I think there's definitely issues. I'm not saying we're wrong because we're not. There's been he has struggled to put together a system, including Haaland or whatever other reasons players that have left that's effective, and his absolute desire for control has stifled this side. Well, that second half showed that maybe the issues went go beyond that. It is the fact that if the players go out there in the second half well, every week, then that system or whatever system he chooses every week suddenly looks a lot better. It has been just, there has been a lack of, I don't know, fire in the bellies of players when they go out. And I always thought it came from Pep the cautious approach but now you wonder with his comments if the handbrake is going to come off in future games because you look at that second half and we're just sat there you know sat in the ground and really enjoying it I'm going why didn't we do this in the first half mm. why why did it take us to go 2-0 down to do this why aren't they doing this every week and I've always said it's so hard to do this relentlessly season in season out Maybe that's the issue. Maybe just eventually you can't just keep doing it all the time. We will yeah. see now, and I think we have to talk about Pep's comments, what the response is from the team. 
on the well, players. One, one other comment, because he basically reiterated it in, you know, because we do a round of interviews, don't they? So, you know, he, he did several of these kind of comments, but one I've picked out is, Guts, passion, fire to win for minute one. The same with the fans. They are silent for 45 minutes. I want my fans back. The really interesting line comes next, which is, I want a reaction from the whole organisation. Mm. Now, Ben, do, I mean, first of all, as a match-going fan yourself, how do you feel about his comments about, you know, the, the Etihad crowd? But, and then, in addition to that, what do you think he meant by the whole organisation? Was that just a, a reference to the fans? Or was he saying, also, possibly, am I reading too much into this, you know, ticket prices and the way that, kind of, you know, the club are with the fans? Um or, like I say, am I reading too much into that? I think to sort of address the ticket prices um, point is that I don't think he, uh, I was going to say, cares about that. I, I don't think he's close enough like, yeah, with that. In terms of, I, yeah. I think in, in the past he's mentioned mentioned things like that. Um, I mean, last last night, to, to give you an example, we actually had a, a spare ticket um, and... We basically couldn't couldn't shift it, so we put it on all the, the usual places to sell. And it was because there was so many tickets for sale last night. You know, in the ticket in the South Stand, for example, on you know for a, I mean I know a game got rearranged, so it wasn't meant to be a midweek game, but it was it was sixty eight pound for it for a ticket. Yeah, uh, it was it was forty five quid, I think. This is obviously on the on the on the night forty five quid for a kids' ticket. So you know those those prices. Oh, another one of those where you sort of think City haven't got it right, but you know, in terms of Pep, I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's close enough. Or like say. to say to say he doesn't care is is probably a bit harsh. But so I, I don't think it's that. I wondered whether the organisation comment was something about transfers, but to be honest, Pep's never come out and said that, and obviously he's close with yeah. GP and Ferran yeah. and stuff. So I can't see that. I I think. Maybe it's an maybe he's trying to use a word to be inclusive of the fans and the team and the players mm. all as one. Maybe that was that was my gut feel. Um, I th- I think when I, th- I think he always has to be a bit careful to be honest when he starts mentioning stuff about fans. You know, I think it's again maybe it's the him being slightly out of touch. But you know, these people that are paying lots of money, traveling from wherever. You know, we've all as we were saying early on. You know. How I got back late, I you know I, I had a similar journey with motorway diversions and stuff. Didn't get back to late. That's not, you know all these people and these are small sacrifices. People travelling across the country, and I think as soon as you start calling calling people out for for that sort of thing, um, you, you know you're certainly treading on on thin ground. I, I, so I think for him, being like you know maybe it's a, a little bit sensitive. I think whenever he starts calling out the fans, I think it's you know you've got to tread very carefully and people will start to start to get a bit pissed off. Um, the, the things about the players, I guess he's just trying to, trying to get them riled up. Um, and we certainly were for that second half. Um, but I mean, again, as been, as has been said on the pod these last few weeks, it's like this, this malaise, whatever we want to call it, it has felt like it's because of, um, you know, structure and style of play and very intended, patterns of play which have sort of stifled our attacking play um, so I mean who's that on for, for me that's more yeah. on Pep than the players and all these these changes and constant changes of players changes of position stuff that's that's more on Pep um, but it, you know it certainly is a targeted thing that he's saying as, as you said I, I sort of always think when you hear these press conferences when you hear these comments 
if you hear the same comment three times through, you know, BBC Talk Sports, Sky Sports, he is specifically getting out the message that he wants to get out. Mm. Um, and what his end goal with that is, I'm, I'm not quite sure. But The end goal um, is a better atmosphere on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, specifically for the next match, I think these comments are to build up an atmosphere for the next game. The bullshit. Uh, obviously, there's a wider discussion to be had about you know, the sanitised atmospheres at Premier, most Premier League grounds. Uh, this was a rearranged game on a night where only your Europa League teams should be playing. And as you say, yeah, there was huge travel. Pop- I mean, I'm not making excuses. There are issues with atmosphere but then if you want to spread corporate areas around the ground to make lots more money and charge £68 for tickets then perhaps should address we've said this before perhaps should address that and not have a go at the fans if he wants a better atmosphere well you saw a much better atmosphere in the second half where we actually had shots on target where we didn't just pussyfoot around the edge of the area all the time or lose you know (laughs) concede to our one chance against Everton the previous time or throw a game against Brentford it's like it's, ultimately the players or an incompetent referee also helps generate the atmosphere so I don't think it was that terrible in the first half it wasn't a great atmosphere but yeah I think it's all I'm still happy that he's ranting generally I'm absolutely happy yes. that he feels yes. he's yeah. doing this he's trying to get a reaction and I think the fans bit will be like specifically targeted for a two o'clock Sunday afternoon fixture. As soon as that game starts, you'll hear more chants than there normally is, basically, in that first half. Because mm. he's done this before. And it might be unfair what he says, but it tends to work in a way. Uh, and the wider stuff, well, I'm, I'm glad he's thinking, I'm glad he's stating the obvious. So, you yeah. know, he's, he's calling out the players. And it, it's very telling those who aren't playing. I think it's a very pointed message at them as well. Well, yeah, there's suggestions that there's been fallouts. There's suggestions that he's gone to war on his players and, and, you know, that basically he was really calling them out last night in what he was saying. Um, and so if that is the case, then he is establishing himself as the alpha amongst the group, isn't he? By, by kind of his comments last night, um, which he very much is. So, yeah, I'm all in favour of what you're saying. I don't agree with some of the specifics. Um, and I really kind of, you know, it rubs me up the wrong way if any manager kind of is critical of fans. But um, as regards to him coming out fighting, yeah, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that from Pep Guardiola. And he's absolutely right in what you said as well, because he said this on several occasions last night, that Arsenal haven't won the league title for 20 years. And so they are hungry for it. They are desperate for it. We've won it four out of five. There's bound to be some kind of complacency. There just there always is, no matter who that team is. And certainly in comparison to a team who are on a Arsenal players are going to feel like they're on a cause right now, you know, and, and City players don't feel like it's a cause. So yeah, for him to try and re you know, re get some balance to that was was good to see. And hopefully it'll have a positive impact. I believe it will. But the proof is in the pudding, which will be at the Etihad, 2 o'clock Sunday against Wolves. Um, well, let's just start with a simple question. Ben, how do you feel about this game? Do you feel that it could be a continuation of what we saw last night in the second half? Are you feeling confident about it? Uh, I hope it's a continuation in terms of that attacking play, uh, for sure. And as I say, if we keep repeating myself, but if we can if we can get some stability now in the team, you know, there's a decent enough break to that, to that game. 
um, then yeah, hopefully, I think I think it would be a, a tough game. Certainly, with their their new manager, they seem to have tightened up uh, a bit, haven't they? So, mm. I think it might be a game, a few goals. Um, but but yeah, I think I'd I'd love as 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 stupid and you know this is a sort of Michael Owen type comment to make. But before we go on these. We, you know, we all keep talking and hoping about, you know, we need to get on this 10-match run or this 14-match run or whatever to to stand a chance. We need to win, like, the second game. And I know that's a, an obvious thing to say, but there's so many times this season where you think, right, that's it. You know, we've, we've turned the corner or something and then the next game we drop points or we're not quite as good or, you know, maybe it's the third game. You know, I'm not sure, again, what the stats are, but it feels like we have been a bit stop-start, particularly over the last, you know, two or three months either side of the World Cup. So yeah, so it's just you know a, a win is obviously crucial. I thought before last night, um, you know we we had to we had to win these two games to stay within the title race. And I believe that again, I think if we drop points, you know it's a massive blow in the title race. In, in, you know, I think Arsenal. Um, we we need to again going back to my point earlier. We need to keep the pressure on them, and I think as soon as we, if we were to drop points, we won't. So hopefully. We'll come out bouncing. We'll come out fighting as Pep wants. Uh, I, I think again, just going further on Pep's comments. I don't think there's any doubt that the fans would react negatively anyway. I think you know it will rile them up. But despite what I said, I don't think he's going to piss people off and they go right. I'm just going to sit on my hands for the match and not sing. <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think the fans will, fans will be up for it. I think you know, and it could have been one of them nights last night if you know again if if some of those ticket prices were a bit more sensible and it was a huge game and stuff. I, I didn't think the crowd was particularly bad last night. I think it was probably, it was frustrated in that first half. As I say, maybe that's not just aimed at the players. That's the, the um, you know, the the referee in recent, maybe repeat of recent lack of attacking threat, maybe more than anything. Um, but yeah, so going back to Wolves, I think it's a big game, another another big game that we um, we really should win slash must win. Um, mm. But but yeah, I think I think it'll be tough. I think it'll be tight, but hoping that with uh, we can keep that attacking threat going. Well, I mean, Ben just came right out and said it there, Howard, and, and I'm in full agreement with him. It's must win. Any uh, any thoughts on that comment? No, it's not, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's must Obviously. win. Okay, fair enough. We're never going to agree on this. We're but... Never, no, but here's an opportunity to go two points behind Arsenal, if only for... Yeah. An hour or so. Yeah. I mean, that's what an incentive that is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they're, I mean, obviously we've played a game more as well by the end, you know, well, now and by the end of the weekend. I don't know what their game in hand is, uh, but you, you know, current form, you probably expect them to win it, whatever it is. So it's a great little incentive that to put the pressure on. And we sp- I think this spurs away then, coming up soon then. Mm the importance of turning it around in the home game against Spurs is also a great bonus for us having to play them again soon at their place. So yeah, yeah, big opportunity and Wolves always feel like the most troublesome side because they are, but they're also, we we also have a great record against them generally. So try your way hat trick, no doubt, you know, (laughs) one of the most useless footballers I've ever seen. (laughs) 
just an athlete as far as I I should I should point out that I was very critical of Royal last night and then he goes and scores so (laughs) when you said that then I just brought it all back and yeah don't say that about Troy he's a very very good footballer (laughs) he's obviously not you're right about us yeah I mean (laughs) here's another way of jinxing it as well but I'm just stating you know facts here I'm not saying any personal opinion but Wolves can't score to save their lives I mean they are the second lowest goal scorers in the top seven tiers of the footballing pyramid Um, they are improving uh, under Mm. a new manager they're averaging a goal a game now whereas prior to that it was 0.5 goals per game it might surprise people to learn that City have won five in the bounce against Wolves with an aggregate scoreline of 16-3. Because it just feels like one of those games, doesn't it, Wolves, where we always seem to struggle and, well, you know, might be one nil earlier in the season wasn't a great performance. So. Mm. Yeah. But, so we it, nil, so. but we'll see on that one. And Ben, I, I think I was already alluded to this but I'll be interested to get your thoughts on it so we're two points behind let's say we win against Wolves and we're two points behind Arsenal obviously they've got two games in hand but that's a real statement made to Arsenal it's like we're not going anywhere and suddenly they've got Manchester United to play on on Sunday um, does that put significant pressure on them um, or are they kind of expecting that from City I think they're expecting it from City I think all of the pundits are still saying I think Gary Neville said, didn't he, earlier this week, that City, for him, City are still favourites to win the league. But I think at some point we need to put them under some type of pressure and it sort of feels like we haven't done that yet. So we need to certainly take that opportunity to put some amount of pressure on them um, and, and yeah, and get as, get as close to them. As, as I said earlier, it sort of feels when we have lost these titles that we almost get, you know, go out without a whimper. So we need to put the pressure on them. You know, we need to start talking the talk that you know some of these other as I say other analysts are saying you know City have been there and done it well let's you know let's show them and let's show them I guess what what it feels like to be in a title race where you you're going tit for tat looks you know like we have the last few times against Liverpool let's put them in in that type of title race um, and really crank the pressure upon them you know we'd be it'd be remiss of us not to do that and, and to drop points so yeah let's let's do that and get get on their tails. Absolutely. Um, looking at what we've got to do, discuss in the, the, this coming weekend, um, there's two big games and you look at the time and you think, oh, I don't think we've got time to talk about a certain subject here. Now, any other subject I, I would drop because you know we, we need to talk about Liverpool's Chelsea, Arsenal United. Instead, we're going to condense those two games and have quick discussions about it because we absolutely have to devote five minutes of our time, at the very least, to Rico Lewis. What a talent he is. I'll start with you, Howard. Very simple question. How good is he? <laughs> sensational. Absolutely sensational. I mean, the rise from nowhere. It's like Phil Foden you knew was coming. Yes. From a yeah. mile off. Cole Palmer, you know, it's not quite made it yet, but, you know, we knew he was being edged towards the first team. This guy, this kid's come in. <laughs> it's kid, yeah. And essentially, Walker's been kicked out <laughs> he yeah. actually feels that way because he's flexible he can do that you know dropping into midfield he's got the passion the skill the I mean the stats from you know the match last night are just he was superb last night insane really 74 touches yeah uh, 96.3% pass accuracy <laughs> 6 ground duels won uh, one block shot, one tackle, one shot on target, one successful dribble. Half time, that's what people were saying. Is like, this is appalling, apart from Rico Lewis. 
Yeah. So the youth prospect is the one outshining all the been there, done it, world class, seasoned international players. I just, I just didn't, you know, to come in and at that age in a pep team and boss it like that is just astonishing. He's absolutely special, special talent. What what I've noticed with young players coming through, and I maybe include Cole Palmer, not Phil Foden, but certainly I've seen it with other youth players come through, is that the senior players don't pass to them as much. As simple as that, mm. you know, until they've kind of established themselves, proven themselves. You know, if you've got Rod, if Rodri's on the ball and you've got Kevin De Bruyne on one side and a youth prospect who's making his third kind of, you know, cameo for City, he's going to pass to, to Kev. They're all passing to Rico Lewis straight away. They trust him, um, particularly Rodri. Rodri was finding him quite often last night. Um, ben, how how well? Just how surprised are you? How good he is? That's that's what it comes down to to me. Every time I watch him, it's not only am I delighting in in what I'm seeing, but I'm also just surprised every, every time. Last night was ninety minutes of being surprised at how good mm-hmm. this young kid is, and. Because, like Howard said, I wasn't particularly aware of him, apart from his name, really, as he was coming through. Is that the same with you? Uh, yeah, he's just he he's just surprises me each time he plays. As you say, I think he, he's just um, he and it, again, Pep said it about making his mates play better and all those sort of things. But we do look a better player with him, and that's what I was mean about. I was torn with Walker. Is I can certainly see the benefits of playing Walker, and you know we might. Yeah feel the same. I mean, I know Troy is typically on the right, but, you know, we might feel the same on, on Sunday as well, but he's just such a good player. I mean, he, he, he was 18 at the end of November. It's just, just crazy. <laughs> um, and he's, he's, a, he's, he's not a big lad. He's five foot seven as well. And he seems to have a knack of wriggling out of situations and keeping the ball. Was it the, the Chelsea game when he came on at half time away? He had a hundred percent pass completion in that, that half that he came on. He never seems to give the ball away. He seems to move it really quickly as well, which I like. He don't. Yes. He's not. Yeah. You know, it's not ticky tacker for ticky tacker's sake. He's he's moving it. He's. We were watching him last night and uh, talking between ourselves. He does that thing. You know, they talk about these top players scanning around. If you watch him when he hasn't got the ball, yeah. he's literally, you know, like an owl. His his head's looking around. Where is everybody? What do we need to do? So when it does come fired and into him, sometimes when he's under pressure, he knows exactly where, you know, Stones is, where Rodri is, etc. Um, and he's just, yeah, he's just a quality player and he just feels, which is such a, a big thing to say for a, a young person, but he, he feels such so safe in there and a safe pair of hands. Um, and he really does when, I, I think what it seems to be a bit at the moment with the way that Pep's changes in it, he either needs... Bernardo in there alongside Rodri or he needs Rico Lewis which is you know an amazing thing to say that we've, <laughs> we're dependent on somebody who's you know played whatever it is 10 or so first game uh, first team games um, but yeah he's 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 brilliant and he's you know he's a real success story of the season so far it's going to be really intriguing isn't it when the Champions League starts whether Pep goes with Kyle or, or Rico and if he well I, I believe he's, he's got absolute trust in Rico Lewis but whether he goes with him in, in, the, in the really big Champions League games that'll be intriguing um, turn our attentions quickly to Liverpool Chelsea um, kind of one question apiece Howard <laughs> you've got the fun one who's in the worst shape <laughs> Oof. I mean, you don't know what Chelsea are going to be, do you? They've probably mm. signed another three players whilst we've done this podcast. <laughs> so, Liverpool, I'd say. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think so. I still yeah. think, I mean, Chelsea don't have a game after this one for like two weeks. So Potter will get some time on the training pitch. Uh, again, with his seven new players or whatever, he'll have time to think about stuff. And I think they could still rally and get into that fourth, get into that top four. I mean, both can rally and get into the top four. But if I was putting money on it, I'd put it on Chelsea because they've got the squad of sorts, even if they have been a mess previously. Whereas Klopp, I guess, has got a dilemma now because he put in some reserve players against Wolves and they kind they weren't brilliant, but they looked better yeah. than some of his big-name out-of-form players. Kind of a exaggerated thing that you know City have had a bit this season. Like, do you play Kevin De Bruyne if he's a bit out of form at the moment? But to which the answer should be yes, of course. Uh, so, and I honestly reached that point, you know, after the Brighton game where they could have lost by a lot more than three goals. That they, I just they can't don't. seem to turn it around this season. Yeah, yeah. They could be yeah. strong next season, of course, to come back. Uh, it's burnout as well, you know, which I thought City themselves were suffering a bit from. I think perhaps last season that race for the title might have taken out of both teams. Well, Chelsea, of course, has got options galore squad-wise and have got a better chance of turning things around. But having said that, <laughs> if they lose it, yeah, if they lose at the weekend, then the gap to that top four could be just far too much to make up. Well, it would still say because they've got a new billionaire owner and are just spending, spending, spending as much as they want, you've got to say that Chelsea are in a better position. But of course, that could all backfire simply because it, it could be seen as a scattergun approach. But you assume there is some, you know, as Asan said on the podcast this week, they took a lot of the staff from Brighton with them. That you've got to assume there was some planning gear to all this madness, like what this apparent madness and uh, transfer market. So they're developing a squad, an exciting squad, Chelsea and Liverpool. Have still they've got the players, but it just feels like it isn't happening. This season. it just feels like you know it's just not there at the moment, and it's it's a fascinating match. I'm really looking forward to watching. To be honest. Yeah, I think it's huge. Uh, I mean, it's one of you know at least three. You've got like obviously you've got a relegation scrap as well, and you've got Arsenal United. It's a big, big weekend of Premier League games, and this is a a great way to kick it off. I'll be fascinated to watch it and see how it goes because it is hard to call. I never, never want to write off Liverpool during the season, but they are one of those that you pretty much know by this part of the season whether they're going whether it's a burnout season or they're going all the yeah, way yeah, and, yeah. and it seems like a burnout season. Klopp's demeanour obviously has been appalling. He's gone into psycho mode in press conferences, <laughs> snapping at the smallest thing. And yeah, I, I don't I don't know if they're with obviously Possible new owners and the sale hanging over the club. There's in, you know, there's uncertainty there at the moment. They're really, to strengthen and be better in the future, they're probably waiting till the summer. So I, I would pick Chelsea over Liverpool at the moment. So you believe Chelsea will win? That's the. I know, thing. I know that's not what you said. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of making that decision over the season. Where's the game yeah, yeah. at? Sorry, it's at Anfield. Oh. That it's a fascinating match because anything could happen. Anything could happen. 
Klopp might pick some of the players that perform for him against Wolves, make some tough decisions, and he may get a performance out of them. I don't think Potter's there yet, you see. So I don't. You just no idea what what teams are going to be picked by both managers. That's why it's a fascinating match. Anything could happen. This could be a draw, I think. But really, my comments are more about the rest of the season. Yeah, of course. So. I mean, I'm, I'm tipping a, a score draw too. Mm. Um, turning to Arsenal United, Ben. Um, are United close to becoming a consistently good side who can challenge at the top? And if if not, because obviously we're not there yet. Where, where do they kind of fall short right now? Do you think? I think, I think they're they're close to it. I still feel, despite what they've spent, there's still a couple of players, um, yeah, short of, of being that. And I think the the Palace game was an evidence of that a little bit. Um, I, th- I mean, I guess this is sort of credit to to, to Ten Ten Hag really is that they they've still got a few players where you sort of think they're they're pretty average players, but he's he's got them working well. Um, I think obviously Casemiro's out, isn't he? For the match, yes, huge, uh, against yeah. Arsenal, so that that'll be big for them. So, I presume it'll be McFred. Will it be back in there or something? Which is a big drop off um, again, which shows their their quality or lack of quality. Um, and I think they they miss a striker. Obviously, we'll see what um, is it Veghorst they've they've signed. We'll we'll see what what he's like. But he's, he certainly didn't tear up any trees, did he? When he was at, at Burnley, um, so so I'd say they were short in attack, uh, and then I still. Feel they're, they're sort of short in in the fullback position as well. I do think, you know, with um, Wan Bissaka, I, I believe he's he's improved slightly this season, but he, he's not a, a, a top four fullback. Uh, and I think you, you know you'd say that same about Delot. Sure, when he's on it, is good. Um, obviously, he's been playing in, in centre back recently, which again probably says says a lot about Maguire more than more than sure that he's not being trusted in there as well. So, I I think. I think they'll they'll probably move Maguire on to be honest in the summer and look to again strengthen strengthen so. the back. Uh, and I think they'll. I still think they're they're short up, up top. Obviously, Rashford is is absolutely on fire at the moment, but beyond him, uh, you know, Martial's not to be relied upon. Even even United fans are, um, you know, are, are laughing at Anthony and stuff, which is crazy considering they spent however much they spent on him not so long ago. Um, so I think I think they're short there. I think, unfortunately for us, I think Arsenal will win this relatively comfortably, particularly if it being at the Emirates. Um, so yeah, so I, I think Arsenal will get it, and I think, but I, I I do to be fair to United, I think they'll finish in the top four. So you know, yeah. Well, remember, that kind of remember Jaden Sancho. I was going. I was yeah. about to say about Jaden Sancho. If Anthony's a flop and they've spent what two hundred million pounds on two kind of flop wingers, um. I hope we get the flack that they deserve United. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, because, you know, <laughs> really hell, no one will mention it. It'll just be City not fans word, just shouting on, on social media about it. Not a word, exactly as you said. Um, anyway, um, two players to look out for uh, in this fixture. Rashford always scores against Arsenal. Uh, he's just got a phenomenal record against Arsenal for some reason. And Martinelli, um, 10 direct goal involvement in his last 10 at the Emirates. So um, they'll be the two kind of stand-up players. Here's an interesting one before we go. Um, just kind of very quickly, Howard, who are you supporting out of Arsenal and United? <laughs> uh, it's, it's been worrying me all week. That Thank you, uh, Elise, thank you, Crystal Palace, for yes. in the 90th minute. Because there was a part of me earlier this week when I'd rather Arsenal won because the thought of United 
Is that still the case, though? No. Well, that's the point. If we do our job against Wolves, then the the fear of United has become a bit, has receded. And then I think, ultimately, a draw, fine. Just a draw. Both two teams drop points. I'll take that. But it's crap, though, isn't it? What in a game and what a draw. I mean, it really is. I'll Um, miss it anyway, so it doesn't, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Right. Oh, of course, well, yeah, it's after you, our yeah, match yeah, and yes, going for yeah, yeah. meals, so ultimately it's best to just check the results at full time, <laughs> maybe. So, yeah, I'm more comfortable with United winning now if we can you know, follow up the Spurs result with a Wolves result. Yeah. But their fixture list still is really kind, United. So yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm conflicted about, about you know? this. Just one of those games where why can't they both lose? So. Yeah. I mean, part of me wants Arsenal to win just to kind of just end that narrative of United being title chasers, and then at least then there's one team to chase down. But um, Ben, who will you be? You know, obviously I'm putting these in kind of speech marks. Who will you be supporting on Sunday? I think yeah, a draw is the only yeah. the only result. Can't can't wish for for United to to, to win. And I think I think a draw is still um, obviously you know we want to we want to catch Arsenal, but it is. Hopefully that psychological reeling them in. If you know, obviously, if we do the business against Wolves as well, um, so yeah, a draw would be good um, with some sort of controversy. Hopefully, at United after after we suffered that last week. Well, that's a great shout. That would be very sweet indeed. Um, looking at the rest of the fixtures, the one that really jumps out has how the loser to there was the relegation fight West Ham the Everton. Mm-hmm. So, just a quick score prediction, Howard, for that. Uh, I think West Ham might just win this. Okay, I'm going for Everton. I have no idea why. 2-1. Oh, it's, uh, it's, okay. it's weird, isn't it? It's like Moyes, I think, could go to Everton, apparently. So. <laughs> yes. And Maybe. Lampard's quite not a bad fit at West Ham. So. <laughs> Maybe they shake hands at the, the end and then just swap clubs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just swap ties. <laughs> just swap, or just... Both mm-hmm. just go and sit in the opposite dugouts at the yeah. beginning of the game, perhaps. Just get it sorted. I've got a weird feeling for Everton. I've no idea. It's not based on any logic whatsoever, but I'm going 2-1 Everton. Um, we, ben, score prediction? We were t- sorry, we were just talking about this in the pub before the match. There's a there's a huge clique of City fans who are desperate for Everton to go down. <laughs> who hate them. And the, we're thinking, oh, really? Yeah, I think it went back to the old days and you know, hooligans. Yeah, 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 Stanley, yeah. I don't know. And <laughs> yeah. and that really dodgy game against Wimbledon, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. know why. You know, it's, uh, maybe I think it might have been born out of just the fact we used to lose against them a lot as well, which was annoying, yeah. of course. Yeah. But then there were loads of clubs like that. So there's a real thought that this could be the season. This could be the one where Everton go down. So. Yeah, well, I mean, they could get a result on the weekend and still go down. It's, but... There's just not a lot there, is there? Let's be honest. There's, there's... No. no. Yeah. Um, ben, score prediction for West Ham? Everton? Uh, I think West Ham will win as well. I think West Ham, West Ham 2-0. I think, I think Everton just can't even buy a win at the moment. Everything, yeah. is, everything that's going wrong, um, everything that can go wrong is going wrong. Sorry, there's obviously all this stuff with the chasing the players out of the ground the other night and stuff <laughs> just it just looks tragic there um, yeah so I'm you know I personally I don't know why maybe it's a, a sympathy side in terms of you know similarities between us and Everton over the years versus our our red neighbours I'd I'd like them to to stay up um, yeah but it's, it's really not looking good is it I think they I think they might be um, they might be in danger of going down this season 
I bet Everton fans after watching our match at half time last night were going, you call that booing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amateurs. I've, I've got to say, one of the highlights of the year for me is that video footage of um, last week with kind of, you know, this Evertonian going up to Jerry Mina. It's like, Jerry, lad, where's your passion, mate? <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> six foot five Jerry Mina. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever, Mina's man. Mina's like, I've not, no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> I mean, the- the likes of with the with Anthony Gordon and stuff as well. Aren't, I mean, he's he must be thinking, get me out of this club yeah, yeah. now. It, it's one of those situations. What is it going to achieve? You know, I understand. And again, go back to similarities. We've been there, haven't we? When it's it's that mm. desperate and you you're so frustrated and angry and stuff. But yeah, just just crazy, crazy tough times. It's not. I can't imagine. Anthony Gordon or Yerry Mina being, you know, that's that's changed their outlook on things at all. <laughs> no, I, I fancy him to win at the weekend, but I do still think they might go down Everton because just ultimately it comes down to the fact that, yeah, you look at their first team, uh, there's just not a lot there. There's not a lot, no. lot of inspiration there. And um, Right, well, I think that kind of rounds... Oh, what, one thing I criminally overlooked was a score prediction for City Wolves. So, Howard, score prediction? Ooh. <sighs> 2-0. 2-0, okay. I'm going to go for 2-0. Ben? I'm go a bit tighter, 2-1. Oh, I don't know if I can go with that. <laughs> Depends <laughs> yeah. on we'll score. Another stressful afternoon. Though, yeah, yeah, they're putting us through the ringer right now. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, thanks, Howard. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Ben. No problem at all. Enjoyed that. It's good to do a Friday show again. It's been a while. And that's a wrap for today, folks. We're off to watch that Ganonto goal again uh, for Leeds because ultimately that's what football is all about. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, be well, and forever up the wonderful blues.